Welcome to Waxless Radio, episode four, Heathens. Today's story follows the path of a young man and his rise to local significance as a hip-hop artist. We're joined by one of my favorite people in the world, Corey Costa. He takes us on a journey of analyzing the creative process and how it intertwines with the mental process, how those two can clash or work together depending on how we navigate them. Also, he's just an enjoyable person to listen to, so let's go. You are listening to Waxus Radio, the podcast. Okay. What's up? We're live. Oh, that's me. Talking about hip-hop. My... I'm not a rapper. Oh, oh, man. I am not. But I am. We got Corey Costa in the building, the the face of northern New Jersey hip-hop, as it were, at one point. Yeah, in, in like 2013, probably. Th- was that the year? For about like 15 minutes or so. <laughs> That's long gone. The scene good, has surpassed we me. We had a good run. The clout chasers chased right past me and rode these, off into this, the sunset. Is this a song of yours? Or What's you freestyling? Right now? Yeah. I'm not. Felt like lyrics. Well, I was Felt just speaking. <laughs> I don't even think I rhymed. Welcome to Waxless Radio Podcast. We are here to discuss uh, what it's like to be... First of all, an artist and what that means mental health-wise, like what takes place in the creative process and then what takes place in the uh, fleshing it out. Like when you're doing shows, when you're getting your music out, what affects you, how productive you are, Mm. how new content comes out or doesn't come out when you are doing the shows and vice versa. So, Yeah. Dear God, thank you for this time. Thank you for Corey. Uh, Pray we have a productive conversation and uh, we love you. Thank you for the gift of creativity and music and help us use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the game, huh? The game. How did I break into the biz? How did you get? When did you? I don't know? think I ever did. <laughs> I don't think that ever happened. I think I'm still trying to break into the biz. The first rap concert, if I can call it that, that I ever did was in Vernon at Cobblestone Village, promoted by Hot Wheels. Shouts out! Big shout out to Hot Wheels for putting me on early on. I was 15. Was I there? No. No, okay. No. But I know that scene. And yeah, that, that, but, but yeah. You, we hadn't met yet. Okay. Um, oh, man. But I knew was, about the stuff they were doing up there for sure. Yeah. This was September. It's like across the street from the ski lodge, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. a little village. There was, a, there was an outdoor stage. And it was it was a cool spot. No, I lost to Ben Bounce in a beat battle on that stage. At that, on that out. stage. That's how I met Ben Bounce. I lost wow. to him in a beat battle there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this was September 2011. And then he signed my wedding uh, license as the witness. So at during the beat battle. During the battle, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and by the way, oh, not only did I defeat you, I also get to be the witness <laughs> on your marriage yeah, license. Just, I hope he sees this or hears this. Whatever. Shouts out Ben Bounce. <laughs> He's in uh, St. Louis now. So you were at Cobblestone Village. Yep. September 2011. First of all, I love that dude, and I love that he just owned the fact that he's in a wheelchair by naming himself Hot Wheels. It's incredible. It's yeah. so good. We actually just spoke recently. He yeah. is awesome. I always liked him. If he's watching this, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to send him beats. So that will happen. Um, but So that was my first show, September 2011, 15, 15 years old, on fire for myself. That was right after At I got married. Yeah. We hadn't met. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't okay. know you guys existed. <laughs> I, you know, I'd, we had not crossed paths. Fifteen. Uh, okay. So the show was cool. We. I had like it was all Mount Olive, man. My Mount Olive crew. The Lakers. Yeah. Like we brought out like cars full of people, probably like twenty five, thirty of us to like an. Like it was cool. That's not a short drive either from Mount. <laughs> no. No. There was probably like forty five minute drive. Make sure and you have gas. 
I, I think I, I think I like crowd surfed a little. It was, t- it was like an eight mile moment for me, for sure. <laughs> you know. Now, but before that, what have you been doing? You've been doing tracks in your bedroom all up. Like- yeah, I had, I had been making music for like two years before that. And we have putting- to talk about your creative process too for that, because I, when I found out how you made your songs, I had uh, so much respect. We I was can, like, yeah. oh, this kid. So I initially started just doing like freestyles over like popular songs. And then when I got into making beats. That's right. And you did the grits of my life. Be like, you did that one. Yeah. And that caught my attention too. I was like, you know, I know those guys, right? That was actually afterwards. That, that was. Because I thought you would think I was That cool. was the following spring. And that's when I was going by Carpe Diem. Before <sighs> Carpe Diem, I was Corey Costa with a K. Costa with a K. I didn't know that was pre-Carpe Diem. Yes. Okay. That, was the, oh, okay. that was the very first thing. And it was one word. The first rap I ever posted like publicly was a. Uh, there was this like Eminem-esque rapper named Nasty. I think his name was Nasty. Nasty. It might have been something else. I could be completely making that up. And he uh, was doing a contest for that song Forever by Drake with Kanye, Lil Wayne, and Eminem. And basically, like, because there's the four verse spots, he was going to pick the four best verses along with his own or including okay. his own and like post that. So my first ever like released recorded rap was over that forever beat. My first bar was perfect with no practice, sharper than a cactus, shielded up and ready so I'm going to attack this. That like that was that's the first thing I ever came out of the gate with. So you you know I wasn't playing games. I was pretty uh, I don't know how to feel about it. I think I don't know. And you were how old at this time? Um, at that time I was 13. 13. Sharper 13. than a cactus. Yeah. That is... Cactus, cacti, I'm sorry, cacti are relatively sharp. Relatively sharp. Yeah, and you were so, a relatively sharp 13-year-old, I so was, it worked. Wasn't right. I? Yeah. So. <laughs> Lo and behold. So I started making beats. Uh, a friend of mine, Philly, was was using Fruity Loops, FL Studio. Shots out. And was listening to like Bass Nectar you and stuff like that. You don't have to call it FL that. Studio. You could call it Fruity Loops. Fruity Loops. Loops. Fine, yeah. So he actually got me onto it. And like the first things I did were like weird, like covers of songs on there, just like digitized. But so the one thing that. Which kinds of songs? Like like Bowling for Soup songs and stuff like that. Like with not vocals, like just like (laughs) I would just take the riffs. Because I was playing guitar at the time. So I would just put the notes like in. I don't think I would have ever guessed in a million years Bowling for Soup. Bowling for Soup? That's it, yeah. Overrated band. There it is, Bowling for Soup, overrated, great. Podcast. <laughs> I'm sure that's the one you were going for. You got to label those, man. When I started making beats, and this is something that I did for years, that when I told Chris Renee later on, thought I was insane for, I didn't have any hardware. So, Oh, that too was even more So I, I was, when it came to, um, and I didn't really sample much. I did a little bit. For the most part, I was doing my own melodies and my own programming with the drums, but I didn't have any hardware. So I wasn't triggering any drum sounds. I wasn't playing any chords. I was clicking and dragging each sound. Just click to input all the video physics. So I was, I was doing click. like a minor seven chord and I'd have to do like A, C, and drawing e, out the and, note. And, and dragging them out to the appropriate I length. I need it to be this long. And like, so if That's I wanted amazing. to like do like an arpeggiator, like all of those little, do, 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 do. yeah, I was doing all of that with a mouse. That's amazing. It's so many clicks. And I did that until like 2016. Man, till 2016. Yeah. So like for anyone who's like actually been through my discography and if you have I apologize. Um <laughs> shout out the disclaimer. For those familiar with the Boy Privilege record or anything before it, 
every sound, every key, every chord, every whatever synth, none of it was played by hand. It was all clicked and dragged with all the mouse. All clicked by mouse. Every yeah. single note. Every little, little glitch. Even more hi-hat. impressive was not the fact that you couldn't, the fact that you couldn't save in any of the things. So you did oh, everything. Oh, I forgot about that. He did everything in one this shot. This was a demo. This was a Fruity Loops demo. I never paid for it. I never even did enough research to see if I could get a cracked full version of it. <laughs> I just accepted the demo as is. And I was on an old PC, so if it were to shut down, whatever I was working on was just gone. So there was a sense of urgency. Sense of but urgency. But also a in sense of it was a looseness to it that if the beat was gone, I was like, oh well, like wasn't meant to be. So I would just work Amazing. with what I had. Um, but yeah, so the program, Fruity Loops, would be open for days at a time with projects in there that I wasn't <laughs> so you comp- have layers of I, projects too? right so that I would sounds like playing with fire though so like, what I would like do a- is like I'd have a full beat and then at the end of that beat I would I would adjust the tempo to the new beat I wanted so I'd have multiple beats open in the in same one project session yes in oh one session exactly That's um, crazy. and what I would do is I would crop them down and I would export versions all the time as I was happy with them and so whenever it crashed backup. whenever it crashed whatever I had that was the version that the loophole that you found here was that you were able to export. That's usually not a possibility. Really in weird, demo right? Versions. That, that it let yeah. me do that for whatever reason. And I don't know if they still allow this, but Fruity Loops at the time, yeah, it would let me export as a wave or an MP3 or whatever else. But I couldn't save the file and go back to it. Right. So it was like one one shot, one and shot. not one session, because I would leave if you that only PC have one running. shot, one opportunity. Another eight mile another moment, eight yeah. mile moment, yeah. So fast forward to uh, you're making beats in your bedroom for for how many years before you finally got to hit the stage at Cobblestone Village for your big break? I'd say like a solid fifteen months okay. went by. Yeah, so, so I had a song you just called amped, like I'm ready to do this. I had a song called uh, My Voice, and it never it was one of those Fruity Loops um, sessions that crashed. Oh, <laughs> but that's the first song I remember. It's the one that got away. All I, the one that got away. And all I remember was that the second verse I rhymed slip and slide. That's the <laughs> only thing. That's the only takeaway that I still have from that song. That is my very, voice. It was like, that it was like my voice. That's, yeah, but that's all. I but remember. it's age appropriate content at that point. Slip and slide. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like about tree houses and other it, things. It was teenagers like a, are yeah, doing. Yeah. Not writing raps in their bedroom. Well, I was 13 <laughs> rapping about slip and slides. I would argue that at 13, like, you have no business on a slip and slide. I don't know. It depends on how adventurous you are. Yeah. I was on slip and slides. Like, right, I, but I think, there's, I think there's a gap. I think, I think once <laughs> you're, like, no nine. appropriate? Yeah, once you're, like, nine, it's okay. weird. And then once you're, like, 16, it's, like, kind of nostalgic and ironic. It and like cool oh, high like, school again. Yeah, like, you're, like, oh, I'm cool. Right? But, like, for those few really years in between. slip and slide, yeah. Yeah. There's like, there is definitely a waiting period where you have to take a break from slip and slides. <laughs> anyway, so very first show, Cobblestone Village. Really cool experience. Um, it was actually a really good time. Second show I ever did, Sanop House. That's where you guys come in. That's where we met for the first time. So, here's where oh this all... Gosh. Oh, I got to bring this back real quick. Okay, Real quick. So... My first exposure to doing anything musically was guitar lessons with a man named... Jason Burns. Jason Burns. That's right. Jay lived right up the street from me. Uh, The first time I ever met him, had to be like seven or eight years old. It was a Halloween party at my parents' house. He was dressed as Gene Simmons. He had the big (laughs) hair, big hair at the time. And he was terrifying. <laughs> so like he asked me if I wanted guitar lessons and I was afraid to say no. <laughs> so that's that's how I broke into the biz was fear. <laughs> As do most rappers today. Oh. <laughs> so anyway. That's amazing. 
amazing. I was afraid yeah, to say so, no. But that also ties into the like, why did you start playing electric guitar rant I went into on the, the other act? It's like nobody, nobody started playing uh, electric guitar because they wanted to be on the worship team. They started because no. they wanted to play Jimi Hendrix. Like, right, exactly. Yeah. Or Smoke on the Water. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, that Your was favorite. Right, that was my... You know. My first song too. I can't. Yeah. Can't front. Exactly. That's amazing. So, so Jay taught me guitar. So I had it. So that's that's where it all started. For those who don't know, Jay, um, no longer with us, the late great Jason legend. Burns. I mean, Absolutely. he also brought me to my first open mic. So like, that's there crazy. Was that, I never knew that. Yeah, there was that connection. Like Jay was a inspirer of the next generation to do musical things, mm. and so we're starting to see that too with you. Like, look at that. How uh, you know, kids and youth group and stuff that you're that's a really teach good the children's. Hip hop is for the children. Wu Tang, ODB. Well, me, I don't do nothing personally, but the Wu Tang do. Wu Tang yeah. is for it. So, so there's a Facebook group like in memory of him, mm. and there's a lot of people who interact on there regularly. And so I don't know exactly what connected who to what, where, why, when. But however, my mom. It's always back to my mom having my back, man. Since day <laughs> one. No, but really. Uh, Shouts out my dukes. <laughs> so, Mama. Found Charlie on there, FKA, shameless plug, at the time. You mean AKA? Formerly known as. Oh, that's FKA. what that stands for. Isn't that crazy? Now you know, man. There it is. What'd you think it stood for? I did not know, man. That's what Twigs is. Oh, I don't. I have, I assume that's what it is. I never even. But I don't know. I don't know that actually for sure. That might also but still, stand I never for put like two and I'll be all right. Let's, like, so go on. Uh, okay. Shameless plug. Um, and they interacted on there and one way or another, she found out that he was a rapper. I'm not a rapper. And was like, so is my son. Hey. And you guys should hang out and do that rap thing together. And she found out that you guys were doing the hip hop showcases at the Stanhope house. Right. In the, in the smaller, in the smaller room, which was the Crossfire Lounge at the time. Crossfire Lounge. Is that the right name? Yep. Yep, so that was April 2012. April 2012. was my 2012. first show there. I was wearing a Jimi Hendrix shirt. It's funny you brought up Jimi Hendrix. That's amazing. I got it at Kohl's. Shouts out. And there was a there was a brand called like <laughs> Rock and Republic. Yeah. And I like had a jacket from there too. So I had it like zipped up like three quarter length with the Jimi Hendrix face showing. Okay. And I had a reckless, young and reckless snapback on, which I now still have somewhere. Oh oh. And it's TD. autographed by Hoodie oh. Allen. Hoodie Allen. Hoodie Allen signed right. that hat. I ended up doing the show, and my mom's like, so we're going to like get you at this thing, blah, 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 check out this guy. So the first song I ever heard of Charlie's, FKA, Shameless Plug, was his rap over the Mad, Mad Men, Mad Men. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. TV show, uh-huh. that, and it was when he did the Portlandia and the, 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 oh, right, the, the right. TV tape. And that's where I met you. I met Charlie, Yes, Yes, Y'alls, which is you guys. I'm just listing. Uh, yeah, the, Two named Jenkins was there. He's, he's long gone. Um, Antoine Perkins was there. <laughs> he's still around. <laughs> uh, John Blake was there. He was that night. John Blake. John Blake. There, there it is. There it is. <laughs> NPC's a little dusty. Shout out Q. Like I know him. Um, and then the first big show we did together, if you would count it that, was Mac Lethal. Oh, Mac Lethal. That, that, was, was, a Mac- that was a vibe. Ruin opened. Yep. Ruin was drinking a Heineken. These are the things that stick with me. (laughs) Shout out Justin Ruin. Timeline alignment. Yeah. Uh, Charlie and John Blake and I, we kind of like bum rushed this place. We're like, oh, you know, we do music. We we just realized they just opened back up or whatever. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we want to do stuff here. We're looking for a new place to do things or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, no rap. We don't want any rap here. Mm. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, it's not really like that, but okay. Like, yeah, we don't want that whole like... 
that whole scene. Yeah. And fast so, forwarded now. So, I don't know. We just kept going anyway. back. And like, I, I think I was like, hey, hear me out. What if we just did like a dance party on a Wednesday night and see what happens? So like, you can have the little room. So he gives the coat check room. Yeah. And we did a Wednesday night dance party and we like packed, we got like a hundred people in there and it was pretty cool. And like, let's try it again in two weeks or whatever. So we did another one and then another one was good. And then they're like, well, maybe this is a thing. I think it was the second or third time we did it that Charlie and John Blake came out. I was like, yo, let me sneak these guys in. Let me do a song or two. We snuck the artists in and things started happening that were like, hey, these guys are cool. We give them a couple more songs here and there. And then mm-hmm. they start talking to the owner one night. And the owners were like, I really like that classic hip hop, like De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest and that. And we're like, of course you do. Like, Then they kind of started doing more and more things. And now that scene grew to the point where Rock him and who'd you open for there? Slick Rick, like Slick all Rick. Of- I opened for Rock him. Um, oh my gosh, who else? Mob Deep. I don't remember how long it took, but throughout the course of those that scene developing, those bigger shows were like 2014. Okay, like 2014, 2014, 2015. Um, but but even as early as 2013, or it might have been 2014 too, like when like Gift of Gab came around. Yeah, and um, so you got to be involved in that scene, like kind of as it was developing, right? And Just so we're like, as it this guy's the best around, let's put him on there. To, so you got you got to really over, you got to ride the wave of. But I kind of stepped out, yeah, early because I was just like, it's not really what I need to be doing in my life at the time. And right. then you guys kind of took it, right? And I was like young, like wide eyed, and like you know what I mean. So so I've those, been given a scene to rule, right? I I, <laughs> I, I, I was not yet the jaded, <laughs> you know, twenty four year old you are today, cynic. <laughs> At that time, like, um, like when I opened for Chris Webby, that was January 2013. Chris Webby at that time was probably the most like popular underground rapper in like the community of people I was around. Oh, really? So like he wasn't a big deal on like a nationwide scale. He was he's from Connecticut. Mount Olive High School. Like it was a really big deal. That's cool. And I remember that show having the same amount of people as like the Slick Rick shows. However, an audience that was more my age. So they actually had more of an impact on what I was doing. And then there was like Jake Miller, who I don't know if he still makes music. He was like kind of like a YouTube sensation. It might still be shows like that. And like Shwayze and um, Cam Meekins. I don't know if Cam Meekins still makes music. It was like a lot of like frat rappers and like a lot of college scene rappers at the time who were also bringing out the same crowds as Slick Rick and as, like, Rock Him, but it was, like, all to, kids right around my age. To be fair, though, the Stanhope House hip-hop scene, like, it is the same crowd depending on, like, the show. Like, everybody who likes hip-hop is going. Right. But you're saying these guys had to draw, because it was, like, your peers, your high school guys, that right. probably had a much more of a more energy for you. Like, exactly. Because it was, like, our boys doing it. Ironically enough, it's your boy Carpe Diem. <laughs> at that time, <laughs> I was being so aggressive in my music and what I was trying to do from like a lyrical standpoint that I think I actually fared better with the older hip hop crowd. Okay, as like this young guy, like I remember kind of planning my set list <laughs> oh, around he's deep. that. Yeah, he's hurting. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. Isn't that great? That, and like, yeah. no one ever like put their hand on my shoulder. Like, is he okay? <laughs> be okay because it was fella? just art, man. And you got a place to sleep. Yeah, I wish someone had asked. <laughs> but we got there eventually. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's so crazy to think about how many shows I did there and yet never felt stale. Honestly, like hmm. I, I have oh, to cool. say that I have to say that. It's a renewed. I don't energy. know. I don't know how anyone else who was paying twenty dollars to see me a week felt about it. <laughs> 
for me, I think at that age and even towards this age and everything in between, for better or worse, was such a rapidly changing time in my life yeah. and in my emotional makeup that every time I got up there, whether it was six months apart or two months apart, like I felt like I was presenting something different, okay. even if the songs were pretty much the same. You were prolific enough that you had a new show. Or a new yeah. energy, at least, to bring yeah. to it. Yeah, and even even in that time, even if I knew I would be playing for the same 15 people, I had different bounces of songs I'd done before that I tweaked so to it make it fresh, fresher right, right, live. Right. And even if I was the only one catching that, it was helping me stay interested. See, now that's pretty cool, too, because think about when an artist... I always like when an artist goes out on tour and tours an album, and then they come back and they do another recording of it from the new tour edition, like mm. what they developed working out on the road. Yeah. So it's probably important as a musician and artist, as you're furthering your, your craft or your product or your art, that you do keep updating it, if for nobody else's sake but your own. Right, and that, that kind of transcends even the live aspect is like, not from a selfish standpoint, but at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying the music you're making, ah, you know what I mean? See? Like, you immediately, and, and it can be sneaky, right? It can, the, the, the influence, the external influence can be sneaky from everyone's kind of riding this wave right now, this flow, this cadence, this rhythmic decision, this sonic decision is really popular right now. Sonic decision, I like that. Yeah, so I might do it. Waxus Radio. That was supposed to say, nice! Nice! That one's up one. Nice! There it is. Thank you. Sonic decision. Uh, Nope. So I almost feel as though I would do that sometimes not because I liked it at all, because I'm like, oh, like, man, like, people my age, like, are going to appreciate this. Mm. Like, this will be cool. Like, they'll definitely like this one, you know? <laughs> Which and, is and, and then a I good was, segue into what the meat of this conversation is going to revolve around. Like, how do you please the people and yourself at the same time as a musician, as an artist? But hip-hop is such a magnified version of it. I think that this, yeah. this is the most relevant point. I can't. For me, from my experience, I can't think of an artist who was unapologetically authentic that I didn't enjoy, or if I didn't enjoy them, I didn't respect them or appreciate what they were trying to accomplish. Right. But if you're trying to appease an audience and it's clear that it's not genuine, it might be entertaining. I might enjoy it still. I might even respect what you're doing. I think of rappers who are outwardly, or maybe not outwardly, but it's not that hard to look through and see that they're entertaining. Mm. They're not trying to put off like that's who they are 24-7. It's a form of entertainment. Right. I think of rappers like 2 Chains, who was incredibly intelligent and I'm pretty sure was Ivy League and is a very articulate individual and for the most part, I mean, even even like from like a rhythmic, lyrical standpoint, like technicality-wise, he's got that skill. But like he always chose to kind of... Dial it back. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and kind of just make it entertaining. And it's gimmicky, but not, not like he was trying to convince people he was something he wasn't. It right. was like you can separate the art from the artist in that specific He was case. eccentric. Right. Yeah. So it was fun. I always was entertained. Yeah. So it's fun. Four bracelets. Now... I do think that's a thin line, and if you're trying to push that entertaining aspect as the 24-7 you when it isn't... A method actor. I think you'll get far. I really do think that. Yeah. You're going to get far, and, and you're going to 
take a shorter route that by riding what's popular and keeping up, and you should keep your finger on the pulse, um, but by riding that wave, you'll get further, and, and I could be wrong, but from my experience, like, I wouldn't be happy there. Mm. You know what I mean? That, that would not be affirming for me. Can if, you- if people were boosting up and juicing and gassing up this version of me that wasn't real, Oh, right. That that I knew deep down wasn't really me. Okay, so that's another interesting thing to think about on the mental health topic, right? Right. That's huge. Say that again. So if if you're basically, if you're gassing up a version of yourself that you're projecting but isn't the real you, they only like that version of you. And then you got to keep that up. And And you're just further suppressing the the real you. But uh, so also you were saying that the people who were authentic, you really liked them. Right. Even if you didn't like their music. Right. So that's even crazier too, though. Like, how do you gauge that on the flip side? Or maybe they just like me if they don't like the art. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe if they just like um, me because they like me. Yeah, I think I'd it's rather... probably a little less common. <laughs> right. I would rather... Okay, so for example, I've definitely had some people in my life who are not hip-hop fans, but are either friends or family members who appreciate what I'm trying to do, and at least I hope still like me as a person. <laughs> so they'll say, I don't really like rap, but Corey, what you do is cool. Yeah. So that works for okay. me in the affirmation sense. It gives you the, the hit of affirmation that you need. Right. Affirmation if, hits. Yes. The little... Uh, the dopamine yeah. shots or whatever it right. is. Is that the right word I hear? I feel like it's a catchphrase these days. It might be. Dopamine. Yeah. It's that thing that you crave. Mm-hmm. The plants crave electrolytes. <laughs> <laughs> so on the flip side, I think I would rather be liked or respected um, for who I am, even if they weren't feeling the music, than the other way around of like, I really enjoy that music and that's really cool, but that's not really who you are. Right. And you have to put on a show. Right. To the point where I'd imagine you reach a point where you're also convincing yourself of that. And, and that's just an identity crisis like waiting to happen on the verge. You know? I, I want to get, eventually I want to get to, uh, my friend Kyle Patrick, shouts out if he's out there, get his, his take on this too for, because uh, he has lots of people, or he has like hardcore fans and they will just like scream over him and I'm like, how does that affect your mind? Yeah. Like how, when if you are in a place where you're so famous that you can't go out in public without a bunch of people like running up to you, that's crazy. Um, Dude, even even on a smaller scale, when I was seventeen, eight years, eighteen years old, and the last year, the local, yeah, thanks. The (laughs) local scene in its microcosm was all like King Corey, like that went right to my head. But honestly, it did. I was young and impressionable and looking for something to latch onto. I think I probably called you as yeah. Sorry, and 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 from (laughs) look look from again that entertainment standpoint, right? From that hip hop standpoint, from that bravado, like. I understand it and I can still appreciate it within that context. But it was probably spilling over into areas of my life where I was just being narcissistic about it. Um, but not really in a lifting way. It was more of like a rebellious, angry way. Hip hop's a weird art form yeah. too because it fuels that almost. It right? wants you to be like, um, it, the braggadocious aspect is supposed to be there sort of. That's the thing. Like, why? <laughs> you imagine, ex- like, why exclusively? Artist? I've always exactly, exactly. <laughs> or bluegrass, like I, on a banjo, like bang, 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 bang. got the baddest drug in the whole field. Yeah, you know? and, I'm like, the, <laughs> and I'm the like 
no other genre like de- declares <laughs> I'm the best. Right. Exactly. Rappers rap about rapping. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And that <laughs> Yo, sounds I, silly. I'm on this mic. So hip hop does that, right? Where it, yeah, it takes the, all, the things that are mentally damaging and encourages them. Yeah. Pride. And, and why can't we have those conversations in hip hop? Why can't hip hop be used to do the exact same thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know to what I mean? Reverse the why like, are we why are we championing this? Yeah, lifestyle? because it's exhausting. And and I know I know so many people and have met so many people that at least when I was I feel like I'm just getting at the age now where the past few years where, again, and certain people and the decisions they're making might sound, this might sound jaded or defeated, but it's more of a decision that I'm no longer pursuing hip hop as a career or as like a launch pad. Or as a source of your identity. Right. I think that's why I enjoy. That's probably the biggest one. I enjoy what you're doing musically the most right now. Because it's not you trying to push your hip-hop career. Right. It's you making music because you felt led to make it, and there's something that when music is purely formed out of that desire, those seeds or whatever, it's just better. And there's no, I should try to sound like this, so maybe I'm going to do a sound that I'm not comfortable with, or I'm going to try something I'm not. This is naturally you. The songs that you have played me so far that you've been working on are... Hands down, the best stuff I've heard come out of you, like, ever. So mm, Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm really it's, excited for the new stuff. Like do you I have a saying, plan for new stuff? New stuff? Um, I do. I'm sorry, you want to finish that? Thought? Yeah, no, well, I was just saying that it's it's that, at least what I'm trying to do, it's, it's, oddly enough, like, yes, being myself should come naturally to me, but when it comes to hip-hop, my habits in hip-hop, and I would imagine other rappers, it takes discipline to be authentic and to be natural, although that might sound backwards, the idea is that if I don't put any thought or put any willpower behind what I'm saying or checking myself, right, kind of discerning those thoughts as they're coming when I'm writing, am yeah. I being myself? Um, but also think of how many rappers, uh, this they see this as their career, as their chance to get out, so they're putting right. their all into it. Right. And they're where are they not drawing a line between this is who I am, this is who I think I should be. Right. Um, and, Which, again, and, is and mentally... That's when, that's when I believe, and, and this gets into a whole bigger conversation, but you're beginning to alleviate yourself or absolve responsibility and kind of accountability for what you're saying. Hmm. Um, because if it's not something, it's not, if it's not how you really feel and you're just saying it out of entertainment, the listener's not responsible to discern that. I might overanalyze and listen to two chains and be like, oh, he's playing. But like the 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 vast majority of people don't, you know, digest everything in such an overwhelming way that the way that I do. Take it super literally. Yeah. So he's got more than four bracelets. <laughs> no more than three. <laughs> no, less no less than, than five. No, I didn't I didn't All do right. that right. I know. It's but, okay. So let's bring this into where yeah. we're at now. So the scene as it were, that's where we came from. You kind of now have taken the step back where you're not out actively pushing your stuff right. at every given moment. And how much more at peace do you feel now that you're not making that your, your Correct. drive? Exactly. I haven't done a show in a long time. I don't feel the need to do a show in a long time because I don't have anything I'm pushing either. Yeah. But when I do, when I'm asked to do a show, it's such a weird feeling, man. Right. It's so, and that's kind of what I want to break down. Like mentally, I've been in such a weird 
space about music and creativity. And that's kind of why I want to have all these conversations. It's just to start to see what other people feel in their creative process to get out of their own heads, me to get out of my head. Mm. Like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that needs to be churned up for lack of a better yeah. term. Um, how I could speak into that is the expectation that I put into it and the approach I take. When I'm in the car listening to music or I'm at work and like a creative idea comes or I'm listening to something and I'm like, I could make something like this. Not that I'm trying to bite the style, but I enjoy it. And I'm like, I'm capable of that. Like, because mm. I do, I am insecure and I do lack confidence musically from a production standpoint, from a mixing standpoint, from a recording standpoint. Um, but I'll listen to something and, I, and, and I'll analyze the rhythmic decisions and I'm like, I could go home and do something like that. Not that I want to copy their style, but it's right, kind but of... It gets the, the juices I, I listen flowing. and it's an, it's an affirming, like, I could do that. Like, it, I, I just encourage myself a little bit. Right. Um, but when I bring it to that place where I've then created this, well, now that I've told myself, oh, I could do that, I need to go home and accomplish that. And, and that, that functional savior comes in where the recording session or the production session has to accomplish what I told myself I'm able to do or else I'm completely depressed at the end of it. Oh, my gosh. I had an exact, yeah. exact experience like that. And I'm pretty ashamed to say that it was because I was so excited about what a bop how bizarre was. Oh, I remember that. And I came back and tried to make my own version of it. I'm like, I could pull that off. Right. And I did not. It's the exact same feeling, right? And, and so it it's, was it's not a, good. I think there's a few different things <laughs> happening. One, it's the expectation that we put in, right? How the, bizarre is a bop, though? It is. It absolutely is. Um, destination, what is it? Unknown. Unknown. Yeah. So it's... By the rights. The expectations that we put on it. Right. And there's also the... What sneaks awesome. in, again, is the... in how it's not authentic because we're pulling from something else and we're bringing that in. And you're thinking about how much you liked that and you want to like how much you make exactly. that much. So I've had but some... But I am not OMC. Right. I'm not a rapper. So... I'm not a rapper. You're taking something that was... It's not at that good. It's not as good as what you saw that inspired you so you get let down by it. You get depressed Exactly. By it. Yeah. And, and like, my day will be ruined. That's so true. And the other ah. thing that will happen is that I will devote, I will plan, I will plan and devote a certain amount of time to sit and make music. I, I can't determine how I'm going to feel five minutes from now, let alone whenever this recording session is going to be. Right. So I might, I might be furthest away from the accessibility to make something musically and be surging. Yeah, And, and, yeah, and I'm for so sure. ready and I'm on fire. By the time you get back to it. Nothing. It's gone. Nothing. So it, again, it's because I'm chasing a feeling that I want the creation process to give me mm. as opposed to trying to pour myself into it. Oh. He's preaching now. That's yeah. ridiculous because you're chasing the feeling right. that like I want to... It has nothing to do with the music. It think has, about has that, everything though. to do about me. See, this is you the know? psychological dangers of being a musician or an artist. This, is, this should be the title of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Because when, you, when you're challenged almost, it's like, are you challenging me, funky song? I think yeah. I could do that and better. Or just as good, just as enjoyable of a feeling of hearing what I created. So now you're jumping into that saying, I know I can do this. And there's like... Where is it pride? Where is it healthy drive? Like right. That's and something that, to kind of walk through healthily. But at the same time now, how much greater the disappointment when what you thought you could do fell flat. Right. When your how bizarre doesn't come out bizarre enough. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention 
I'm going into sessions like that. <laughs> I'm going into sessions like I gotta that. I got to laugh over here for a minute. I was, like, um, <laughs> I was bumping how bizarre with the street glow in, in Times Square the other night. It's so good. It's not good. Sorry. So you're going into sessions with that energy. So wait, so you're I'm saying- going into those sessions on a, I can do this, right? Okay. I got it. It, it, it. At the end of the day, it's becoming like a, a, a sufficient, a self-sufficient thing. Is, do you feel a it's need a to like prove something? Is it like an existential thing where you need to like lay bricks in the legacy of your existence? It's, like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that might absolutely <laughs> be it. And where it carries over, and this is something that I've had to forcefully remove from my heart, when I do decide I like this, it's finished, I'm putting it out, I have to love it. And when, You have to love listening to it. I can't tell you how yes. much stuff I've made and never gone back and listened to but it's out there. It's like, oh, I forgot. I have to be honest that I need to love it. And that, and here's why. Because I can't depend on what other people think about that song. I can't. Imagine because being so vulnerable, though, that you're like, you put it out there and you're like, I have to depend on what other people think. If I'm iffy about it and I get an iffy response, I'm going to be filled with regret. I'm going to be filled with um, anxiety. I'm going to be insecure. I'm going to be overthinking whether or not I ever should put it out. All because of what one person can say about a song. It, yeah. That's so crazy. And that is the danger of, again, your identity being based around your skill level as a hip-hop artist. And it's not even about that anymore, though. Your identity is being based in that affirmation. Here's what I was trying to say. I have to love it, not because I'm feeding my own ego, but because I need to be happy with what I put out so that the opinions don't sway me. Mm. And that doesn't mean that I can't take constructive criticism. Right. And that doesn't mean that I don't want honest opinions from people so that I can... But you want to be so sold on your final product. You're like, it's cool that you feel that way, but this is what I wanted to make. Right, and I'm happy I did yeah. it this way. And Like if it needs more clarinet. Yes. Instead of just a little bit. Which it usually does. <laughs> so that's a fair criticism. That's constructive, <laughs> that's right? Constructive. Because I, I so regularly incorporate clarinet. You should use more. Into my music. Just wailing. Shouts out. Charles only, shameless plug. The times when I have been writing and I stop trying to think about what I want to say mm. and I start thinking about how I can be really technical and cool about how I say it, chances are what I was trying to say is going to get lost in translation. Ah. Because I'm trying to bar up. I'm not trying to communicate what I'm feeling. Bar up. Seriously. I love it. So, yeah, no, no, I see it, yeah. And, and immediately then, the second I, I move into that and I'm lost there... I'm no longer thinking about what I want to say. I'm thinking about how it's going to be received. Because then I'm rewriting things going, ah, that's not dope enough. Oh, this, might, this person might hear it this way too. And, or, and they uh, might not be impressed enough with whether or not I rhymed three syllables beforehand. Uh, and, and then I start building that, building it, building it, building it, building it, put it out. Would you say you're overthinking it? Put it out. <laughs> N- nobody catches that. It was only for me. Right. So if I was doing it for other people, they didn't receive it. What purpose did it serve? A lot of frustration. Right. If I did it for me, if I did that, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to make this a technical masterpiece. All these syllables are going to rhyme, and I'm doing it out of the love and creation of this music, and I still am confident that I'm communicating the message I intend through doing this in its purpose. Cool. But if I'm doing it so that someone says, yo, the way you did that was crazy, I'm then depending on a future event that may not happen. Oh, wow. So, okay. So, you know you're, what I you're mean? kind of reverse engineering it to be fulfilled by it from the start in right. that aspect. Like, yo, I'm doing this so that someone will 
will love it, but I can't determine if they're going to or not. Yeah. I, I can't determine that. I feel like you're in a much better place than a lot of people with that perspective. Only because my identity's in Christ and not in hip-hop. Hey. And, that, and that's, that's why. So now <laughs> I'm, I'm free in that, right? And, and, and I'm free in that musically that if I want to sacrifice, which I don't think I have to, but I may decide to sacrifice that technical craft to make sure that I'm speaking plainly and communicating what I'm feeling and what I want to be absorbed or I want to be extracted or taken from the song, that takes precedence now, which is like unheard of in the hip-hop scene and the, and the hip-hop sphere that my brain grew up in. Right. A lot of people might not feel that way, but for me and for a lot of the guys I knew, that was what came first, was the technical ability. And even, even if it borders on nonsensical, like so be it. And right, I'll as long still, as you're rhyming A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. Right, and yeah. I might still do that for the entertainment aspect because I'm not just trying to preach for four minutes straight. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I, but that's also why people are listening in the first place is because of that craft, that skill that you developed early on with that attention to detail. Right, and, and it's cool to think that I spent all of those years pouring into that, developing a gift that I never realized I'd be using to glorify God. Ha! Right? It, it was always for me. It's, it's still for me at times, you know what I mean? That's still... Yeah, but God can speak through that, and that's right. the coolest part about it, is that it's right. not like a... It's not a selfish thing, because you're, you're, it is still for you, but at the same time, like look at like Ethan C. Davis songs, man. He's writing in his journal, basically, musically, yeah. and it's changing people's lives. Like, yeah. I've been... Helping them just... Thought-provoking, man. That's what the, the, the mantra is. We just want to make... want to help people think... About things that they, in a way, they may not have. Shift your perspective a little bit. Waxless. That whole idea, being sincere, being real. Just don't be afraid to like analyze and check yourself once in a while. See if the way you're thinking is not the healthiest way. Yeah. If I have a conversation with you, or we have a close relationship, and I don't feel like any of that is reflected in the music you're putting out, I'm confused. <laughs> and again, you might just be entertaining. Okay. But again, like I'll admit that I'm at a place now where it's tunnel vision, right? Mm. So if it doesn't feel like you, you're like, well, what is? Well, what I say before, the stuff that you're making now feels more like you than anything else has so far. Right. And 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 one of the toughest things in that is deciding how much of myself am I willing to put out there, and and what am I willing to have you know critiqued or judged or whatever it may be in the hope that someone who isn't willing to admit that they're struggling with something might be, right? right? Like, like, and not in like a martyr sense, like, I'm so brave, you know, I'm talking about this in my song, but <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not what I'm going for. But I do want to, it's crazy, to, to apply the hip-hop mentality, right? but have it be spirit-infused in denying self, mm. which is really complicated. You can, you can use, and I've seen a lot of, a lot of Christian rappers do this um, in, a, in a pretty cool way, in a relatively tasteful way, let's say. Um, you can boast in your ability and credit God for it. Hmm. So you're still using that braggadocious hip-hop tone and sound and approach, <laughs> but you're not taking credit for your ability. God bought me this car. <laughs> that I'm this cool car. God got me them rims like that. Yeah. <laughs> I so, just meant like the cool vehicle I'm driving. You know, ability. Yes, it's a car. I get it. 
It's like a Maserati. Mazda. Yes. <laughs> Maserati. My rap skills are Mazda. Yours are Maserati. I was having a conversation at the barber today. I got a cut. Shout out to Julian at the Looks Barbershop. Shouts out. But um, Main Street, Town. That's right. Greatest city on earth. H-Town. I was I was saying how I thought the Toyota Celica was like the coolest car in the world when like the first Fast and Furious came out and like Too Fast Too Furious and the if I if one? I ever hit the lottery I just want a lot full of Toyota Celicas a whole lot right all different colors and the spoilers like don't match the car like the spoilers <laughs> are their own color just a goal just a goal of mine prosperity gospel there it so is if you got if you got a yellow Toyota Celica what color is the the wing gonna be on it purple purple Lakers baby. <laughs> do like flat black Bud with, Lakers. with the white wing on it 07828 stand up 07840 for life <laughs> get that zip code wars so All what right. I was saying is that by having the music being spirit infused and denying self again that discipline of writing from an authentic place of like am I being honest about where I'm at because I'm gonna fare better in being myself and not trying to act like I have it together because then I have to keep that act up. Right. You know what I mean? And that's so exhausting, dude. I'd rather when someone says, hey, how are you? I can just be like, pretty terrible today. <laughs> you know how freeing it is to do that? And, I've, and, I've done it. And, and hip-hop creates this like extended act of saying, good, how are you? When you're not. Okay. okay. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and that's not always the case. You know, I am kind of pigeonhole. There's a little generalization in what I'm talking about because I'm kind of referring to and analyzing a specific approach. But I do think that's kind of the approach that's taken. That even rappers who are, there's like the emotional thing going on, like they're showing emotion, it's still very applauded and kind of like a romanticized darkness that they want to hide in forever. Mm. And like everyone just feels sad and sorry. Yeah, that's not healthy. Which I can only point out because I spent so much time there. Yeah, you know, I, I'm. Well, emo it, music it's is not, the same thing too. Like right. that was a huge like just dwelling in my darkness. Yeah, I was. I did that a lot. Yeah, 20s. and I, I wanted people to be like, "Whoa!" Like he's really he's on the edge. Like that's that's a scary place to be. Like as if it would like was a courageous decision when it's the complete opposite, being a coward. <laughs> but <laughs> right. That's how many people don't realize that they might be in a bad mood because of their music choices. That's huge. Yeah. I will be the first to admit to a fault that I am extremely impressionable. Mm. And because of that, I have to, again, be responsible, take accountability with what I decide to listen to, what I decide to watch, what I decide to take in. Because I know that I am easily emotionally invested in characters and things and sounds that I will then be like, wow, and moved by it because I latch on. I remember you told me that's why you didn't watch shows when I was first getting to know you. Yeah. That stuck out to me because I also, there was a point in my life where I was just really upset a lot, having a lot of bad dreams, a lot of violent dreams, and a lot of just weird dreams, stressful things. And I realized that like what I had been taking in Netflix wise or Hulu wise. I realized that because of what I was listening to. I just canceled to, my cable, by the way. Nice. That felt great. Good. Yeah. I realized that what I'd been taking in diet wise, entertainment wise, the diet applies. Like it's not just about what you eat. It's what you put into your mind and your brain. And like yep. your dreams are formed by the things that you obsess about in your subconscious hmm. and experiences that you had that day and a couple other factors. I forget what they are, but yeah. the, the main thing is that you're giving your dreams ideas by what you put in your brain that night. Like it's, 
it got to the point where I was like, I just can't watch anything too stressful or crazy anymore. Because yeah. like, I'm, you're getting worked up about a situation that isn't even real. Yeah, like you're getting so involved. I do in enough that of that like, in my own head. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I spend enough time doing that as is. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to add extra problems that That's, aren't even yeah. real. So mental health, this whole type of thing, that these are the things that are, are helpful. These are things that are, we're going to try to get, like, we're just going to keep that the theme, like, as always in the background. It's something we always want to keep talking about. Like, how yeah. do we not be trapped by our brains and what they are trying to convince us of? And Because and, that's really where it all starts. Yeah. 21 so, Pilots, the people you put me on to, were one mm. of the ones that helped me start getting free from what I thought was my brain running amok. Yeah. Was the song Ode to Sleep? I think that was the first song I showed you. But the lyrics there, he says, uh, tie a noose around your... What is it? What are the words? Oh, that's uh, holding on to you. He says... Oh, yeah, uh, thank you. Tie a noose... Around your mind, loose enough to breathe fine. Tie it to a tree, tell it you belong to me. This ain't a noose, this is a leash, and I have news for you, you must obey me. So it's even got the dad joke pun in there, so that yeah. got me right away. Uh -huh. I have noose for you. He is a dad <laughs> so now. So bad. But that... Wait, I never heard that before. Yo. I have news for you. <laughs> I wonder if that was intentional. I've never heard it that way before. It might have been. Oh, there was another song that that just happened for me recently. I can't think of it right that now. It is always funny. We're like, oh, that was a joke. I <laughs> listened to this song News for 14 for years. Anyway, that wow. line helped me start thinking like, oh my gosh, it really is not who I am. Your brain is not who you are. Your soul right. is, right? But mm. your brain is like the engine of the car. Yeah. But it's smart enough to make you think it's in control, mm -hmm. but it's really just still supposed to obey you. Right. It's just not that easy. Right. And as, as, as both an analytical and emotional person, what will happen is. Yeah. You, you're a good mix. Of, yeah. Oh, um, feels great. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Um, analytical so analytical. I wouldn't, cause, cause I don't know this to be fact. So I wouldn't go as far as to say that like I have more thoughts per second than anyone else. I don't know how that works <laughs> statistically with that being said. How do you time that? Right. I, I, I would believe that I wouldn't deny a report that said my brain is hyperactive. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't done this research. So this is, I, I agree with you as well. So with that being said, not having a lot of experience under my belt with, with taking thoughts captive, right. And determining how I feel about them. Um, still that being a relatively new practice for me, um, right. them being an emotional person, the thoughts are spewing and then they're all sent to my heart and my heart overreacts to all of them. So I'm overanalyzing things and I'm overreacting to them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, You're a lot of fun at parties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm a great time, man. I'm a blast. <laughs> that's so, amazing though. Cause like, but at least you're self-aware enough to know that that's what you're dealing with. Um, podcast. Back on track. Here we are. <laughs> so no, so discussing mental health in it, right? Right. right. And how I, I, I kind of went on a on an attack there, and I'm definitely not. I don't have a an issue, right? With with rappers who just want to rap. That's fine <laughs> if it's a hobby, right? Because right. I've we definitely got into a very like narrow lane, but, right? Because but I, I feel like the the approach really is more of like, are you damaging yourself by the rap career you are right. living out? And what you're seeking fulfillment out of, is it doing harm? Right. And if it's really not, if it's truly not. And like, is it annoying the people around you? <laughs> if it's really not doing that and it's just something that is fun. Yeah. And it's a hobby. I'll do it for fun, just do it. Yeah, that's cool. But I have a couple friends who are like that. They'll yeah. record stuff here and there. 
like, you know, and I'll see them. They'll do shows once in a while, but it's not something they're, like, actively pursuing. It's just sort of like they're like, this is what I do to, right. like, my hobby. I'm in no way saying that everyone <laughs> needs to treat hip-hop in a missional way the way I do. No, because... but I do like that you're giving the background on your approach and what it means to you. Right. Um, I think it benefits how... me that I spent so much time. How have you seen this kind of... Um... If you're being intentional about your your stuff and the message stuff, have you seen anything come back like from the seeds that you put out with your music? Have people come to you and had conversations where they're just like, "Oh my gosh, like that's exactly what I need to hear" or whatever? Because I imagine it will come more so with this next project. That's kind of what I was getting at. Like, wait for <laughs> wait for yeah. those things to start coming in because I think that the new approach, the new stuff you're doing, you, there's a lot of potential for you know, those Ethan C. Davis for me kind of moments where mm. like, like, I'm like, yo, you wrote this. This was super helpful. And like, mm. as I was telling him in the, in the episode, like a couple of times, it's like, uh, yo, this part right here meant the world to me. And he's like, wow, like, I had no idea that was even possible of that kind of thing. Right. So, um, does anything come to mind though, where you can think of like somebody was like helped by something that you wrote down? Um, I, I can't think of anything right now. Like, I could tell you about 12 of your lyric things that you've written that have helped me in crazy ways. But hmm. uh, I think just sort of keep that in the back of the mind. Stuff. What I was going to say was if there's anyone, I, like if there are any significant moments like that, I'm forgetting, like I, I feel bad <laughs> about that. <laughs> just put you on blast. You know what I mean? That <laughs> yeah, like yeah. if I've obviously like I've had powerful conversations about things I've said in my music. Um, but I have, I have an actual point that I was, the reason why I asked that was the, Reason why is if you do start to get those types of things coming back, how much different is that knowing that like God used you and your gift for something rather than someone coming up to you and say, yo, I love how you murdered that technical phrase. Right. What's the difference? Is like, yo, I'm actually using my gift for a purpose for God for creation instead of just self-praise. Right. Yeah, it's it's just so much more rewarding and fulfilling in a, in a longer term. The um, missional approach. Right. And but there's less immediate short bursts of gratification. Ah, uh, so there is that trade that in the long run I'm happy. I have joy with what I'm doing, but I know that by not chasing after those short bursts of trying to be impressive, that again it's denying self that I'm I'm not trying to feed that. You know what I mean? Um. It's not like a continually hungry monster right. you have to throw likes at. <laughs> Think about that, though. That was another part of what we were kind of trying to get at, is that, like, your generation, like, you, what, how old were you when you first, like, started getting on the internet? From, like, a social media standpoint? Yeah, um, yeah like, middle school, which I'm pretty sure is, like, the yeah, standard Yeah, homeschooled now. over here doesn't know what age that equates to. Is okay. That like, 10, 11? Um, probably, <laughs> like, 11. Okay, 11. Yeah. So you had social media at 11. MySpace, yeah. MySpace, yes. Yeah. Oh, man. We all learned HTML. Maybe younger. Uh, that, but that starts to condition you. So like when you yep. start seeing the, the response to what you're putting out there and how does it... And it was funny because they gave it to us. Like MySpace didn't have a whole lot of affirmation. Uh, it was just comments. It wasn't Except like for likes, a friendship right? ranking. That was pretty aggressive. That was pretty aggressive. Yeah. Top eight friends was pretty aggressive. Could you imagine the chaos today if they said... Pick your top eight. I remember kicking people out of it when like things were shaky. 100%. I mean, it was middle school, but <laughs> when things were that shaky. was the that was the the world. You <laughs> no, know? You're out the top eight. So, the last few albums and things that I've made, namely Boy Privilege and Skyward Spiral, tell a story naturally because I'm growing up. Um, but recognizing some of the 
unintentional parallels between boy privilege and skyward spiral. Right. Um, boy privilege, I'm 18, I'm abrasive, I'm looking to get a reaction, I'm lost, I am broken, I am arrogant, I'm entertaining, I'm charismatic, I'm fearless, I'm creative, but I'm a mess. Skyward Spiral, I'm tame, I'm contained, I'm intentional. It was even, even musically, it was like, it was lower key, like right. it was chiller, it was, it right. was less aggressive, more conversational. Right, but a lot of that was reactionary, a mm. lot of that was, let me intentionally distance myself from what I was doing because those creative decisions are for me, remind me too much of who I was or what I was going through. Gotcha. Okay. Now I'm at a place where I'm far enough removed where I'm not emotionally affected in that way that I can go back and make some of those creative musical decisions that I really enjoyed from my older music and, and reapply that mentality and and kind of bring that sense of energy back. And Skyward Spiral had that energy, but like you said, it, I was intentionally kind of taming myself. I was kind of trying too hard to clean up a little bit um, in that contrast. I was overcompensating. Yes, yeah, swinging the, too hard in the other direction. Exactly. Gotcha. So I kind of feel like, yeah, in that in that sense that the next record which, again, is a continuation of the story, my attempt to wrap up a story I never thought I was writing in the first place, ah. in, in, in a trilogy aspect, I think will be musically a happy medium. Mm. Um, and well, so, and also, you're making it all yourself. You're producing it all. You're so far, it all. Yeah. Um, there is the one track that uh, Johnny Mazzone produced, which Ooh. I absolutely, with his permission... Intend that to include tough. on that album. That track was really tough. In my brain, oh, I made some too. Right now, I forgot. Yes, yeah, yeah we have okay. stuff too. <laughs> in my brain, the song with Johnny is track two. Okay. Um, track two's, in a way, for me, has always been the most important song on an album. See, I have an album track listing priority structure as well, but track yeah. two is most important to you. Track okay, two is always most important. From a, this is the song I want you to take away from it. I know, I know, from looking at stats of everything I've ever put out that. And it's the obvious answer, but that the first track always gets the most spins. Always, because it's chronological. Somebody's going to click it. They might forget about it. They listen to two seconds of it. Right. But I feel like track two is a good stat because it means who's still paying attention. Yep. Who got to track two. And for me, track one, I mean, just growing up and listening to Hip Hop 1, so many times track one was always an intro and not even a real song. So there's that reason gotcha. too. Okay. But... It for me, I've always kind of felt like it's kind of like an attention grabber in a way mm, yeah. that I'm kind of like, okay, like this might be an outlier to the rest of the record, and and in a way, the tentative track one, the placeholder I have right now, I think will be very unique in its sound and not feel like the rest of the record. Okay, and it's almost kind of like I need to like establish this or I, I need this needs to be presented or this needs to get out of my system and kind of inform the rest of the record yeah. to give it context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then track two then in my head is like, okay, like now, now, now that we did that, like 
let's do this. You know what I mean? Like now that we've established that, now that there's some context, now that maybe you know a little more about me and what I'm trying to accomplish here. Let's put the work in. Here's what I'm actually doing. Yeah. So track two is kind of the first track and this is like the opening credits, you know what I mean? In the intro, although it is a song, it's not just like spoken word or it's not like a a skit. Spoken word. Yeah. Skits. A lot of slam poetry too. (laughs) I forget where we were before, by the way. Podcast. Well, MySpace. Oh, oh yeah. Look, wow. not only did MySpace train us to, uh, I was going to say at first, we didn't really have like a whole lot of like likes, like little hits of affirmation. Right. But the top eight was so hardcore, like choose your circle. And if you were computer smart enough to HTML, you could do top 16 or top 32 or whatever. I think I had top 32 going. Remember that? The, yeah. the meme that said, uh, MySpace had us flirting with a six-figure skill and didn't even realize it. So good, dude. Like, uh, my friend codes for a living now down the street out of his recording studio that he doesn't use to record in anymore. He just types up code. That's amazing. Um, The MySpace aspect, maybe that's why in my version of social interaction affirmation that I get, I always want comments over likes because MySpace was comment-driven. That was how you interacted with people was the comment section. And... uh, I always want comments on stuff. That's why I feel like, oh, yeah, like I could get like 40 likes on something and two comments. I'll be more excited about the two, two comments. Yeah, because they're intimate. Not intimate. They're, well, they could be, but they're. It means that somebody did more than just double tap their thumb. Legitimate like, interaction. You actually took a second to give me a, one of your thoughts. Right. And that is probably where I get the most information. It's like, hey, when somebody recognizes what I put into this. Mm-hmm. I guess, and it might even come down to like when my love language is like acts of service, like I want to do something for someone right? to show that I love them, like, but then I need the words of affirmation back. Mm. So I wonder if that's a, if that's a trained condition because of us and our involvement in social media. Like your generation was raised having a social media account. People even younger than you are used to that way of life, like Instagram and Facebook and like generating that right. constant micro doses of affirmation. Mm. What does that look like in real life if the if the patterns overlap at all? Or what if the social media is taken away? Where do you then find it? Um, I don't think it really translates to real life. Um, I but think- in the, hey, listen to this song, isn't it great? Yeah. That's kind of a... That's a problem with musicians too. Like when I send somebody out a song that I just finished and I'll never be able, I, I'll like, I'll like create something and I can't like mix it or master anything. Like, yo, check this out. Right. Like send them Raw a Dropbox takes, yeah, and like, just... I'm dying to hear back whatever that person has to say about it. And mm-hmm. that's the extent of it. I could put out a song and it could get a whole lot of plays and it hasn't yet, but right. <laughs> I could, yeah. and it wouldn't matter to me to see that giant number rise. I feel like you care about play counts though. I remember when we were talking earlier on, you were like, I don't want to reset that because the play count will change. I begrudgingly care about play counts because they... I guess it's more of a real-life perspective, though. Like, in the industry, that's what actually matters. Right. So there is value to it, you know? But... I begrudgingly... Yeah, because, uh, dude, like, putting dropping a song on SoundCloud and refreshing the profile to see if the number's going up... That can't be healthy. It's not. It's not. (laughs) I still do it. Um... And because that is SoundCloud because, the best place to see your numbers go though, like is that where people are really listening? well the music that like some of the more recent stuff I've been putting out. Oh, you only put it out like there? the singles that one because um, a lot of the songs have been produced by other people, and <laughs> I'm and I'm not familiar with whether or not there's samples on okay, there, and that gotcha, kind of stuff gets yeah. tricky. And because they're kind of more designed to be one-offs, yeah. 
Um, SoundCloud is the musical equivalent of somebody like opening their jacket, like, "Hey, you want to buy a watch?" <laughs> but it's just a bunch <laughs> of MP3 files hanging on their, <laughs> inside of their jacket. That's exactly what it is. That's. I think that was actually the business model. <laughs> that was that was the the, the planning when they got some that. investors proof, on board. Proof of concept is a dude in there with like a bunch of. That like, was the pitch. Little orange clouds cut out of cardboard tape to the inside. Yes, of the jacket that was the sleeve. pitch exactly. Uh, <laughs> Let's, so, let's wrap this up. We've done a good yeah. job. I think so, that so that what I'm, what I'm, tra- and it's funny because I'm saying all of this and talking about the impact I try to have with my music and this and that and whatever and blah blah blah. And if you go and look me up, I have nine monthly listeners on Spotify. <laughs> so, I, I, I can check all of that at the door. I'm not having a conversation about how what I'm doing is making a bigger splash. I think I have three <laughs> in the pond, right? Because it's not, and there are parts of me that think that some of the decisions I have made about how I live my life has affected my play count and I'm okay with that so that's something that I just want to put out there and that's not a defense mechanism that's not me saying more people would be listening if I was still rapping about whatever I was rapping about maybe they would be maybe they wouldn't again I'm not being a martyr I'm not brave that's not the conversation I'm trying to lead it's more so that I don't think anybody was assuming that about you well could you I was that? probably assuming it about okay. me, and that's probably why that came out. But <laughs> I do have the freedom of producing and creating and releasing music out of the joy of doing it and out of the hope that what I'm communicating will be received in some way that helps people feel some sense of joy and peace and or love. Or even understood. And, yeah, that... Yes. Music that helps I think, you feel understood about something you're going through is yeah. like, oh, they feel it too. I That's think huge. songs I've heard that I may never meet or interact with someone, but there was some soul bearing in the midst of it that made me feel better, even if I'm not being honest about going through it. Mm. I can think of um, Shame, Shame by Andy Mineo. Okay. That song along with a lot of other things in my life. Shots out, Andy Mineo? Yeah. He was, at, he was quoted in a devotional I read this morning. It's <laughs> probably like a mom's devotional, and she's like, get this in there for the kids. But uh, so... You read mom's devotionals? I, I feel like they're all written by moms. That's pretty true. There's no dads out here like, when life gets hard, dads don't do that. That's dads should do that. I read one written by a dude, and it was actually pretty good. But that's so hilarious. I, yeah, there are definitely right. devotion. There are definitely look. You know me, Chris. You're probably right. You know the life I've carried, the life I've led, for better or worse. I'm not going to open a podcast or a devotional that's like for men. You know what I mean? Like I, that's I wasn't just not judging me. Your, your no, I'm, I'm just I'm saying I'm saying though. that maybe I should. <laughs> It'd just but, be like how to be a mom living in daily grace. That's <laughs> like, exactly just, it. And I've learned so much about how to be a mom. <laughs> yeah. I'm, go- I'm going to be a great mom, dude. I- I'd already say I'm a pretty good mom, as is. So, podcast. Podcast. Back on track. Good at saying it, yeah. Songs like that have given me the, hey, me too. I'm willing mm. to be honest about something I've struggled with, right? And... I have then been given that same courage to talk about things in my music that might make people feel a certain way about me, and I'm, that's worth it if someone else listens and is like, man, like me too. Like, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Like, mm. I, I feel so much more at peace about that, you know? Somebody else recognizing that you also struggle with this and that you're not alone in it too. Hopefully the idea of that song brings some sort of perspective shift yeah. at least. And I, I think that 
when your perspective shifts is the only way that any progress is made. And it's all like how we look at things that really defines where we are mentally with that. Right. Sometimes I like when I'm having a really bad, dark mental weather day, as I like to put it, I'm going to lean hard on something I know is going to swing my attention so far in the other direction that it's going to not come back or like something yeah. that I know is guaranteed to, like I always said, a go-kart ride for me, yeah. there is nothing happier than a go-kart ride for me. So if I get in that it's go-kart, bliss. it's yeah, we're good. If it's, <laughs> that doesn't always get to happen, but sharing things that are helpful, having conversations. This is the goal of why we do this. This is why wanted you to be here. Have this kind of, and it's going to be an ongoing conversation too. Um, we'll get Mary back in the mix. She's actually, do you know where Mary is right now? In the Dominican Republic. Probably is never coming back. Ugh. She said to me today, Prayers the people Mary. are nice and we have lots of fresh fruits. I'll probably fresh be fruit? here for 60 days. Oh my God. Shouts out if you're there. I don't think that's real numbers. I think she was just talking about. Yeah, but man. But still, what a place to be quarantined. Bless up, Mary. Mary they are with lots of. Uh, so we'll get her back on. We'll have some more conversations about this type of stuff too, but like creating music, it all is the perfect storm of things designed to not work really well together, uh, at least in a productive way. Like, you're going to either make great music, but you're not going to be mentally stable. I can't say it that hard, but it does tend to be that the most creative, most amazingly artistic people I've I've seen are a whirlwind. Yeah, Yeah. troubled is a good word for it. Um, So I have a friend, Paul, shout out, Clemson, uh, the man, Theory One Productions. They are starting a not-for-profit called the Roadie Clinic, and it's for touring professionals, hmm. and it's based on mental health and like staying, wow. staying in a good place mentally while you're on the road and stuff like that. So they just bought the building; they're in development and stuff like that. Ongoing conversation. Thank you, Corey, for being here. Uh, if people want to hear your music, where should they do that? Um, SoundCloud. They shouldn't. First of all, <laughs> um, if you've reached uh, Bandcamp, you've gone too far. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just no, really. Um, yeah, Corey Costa. Figure out how to spell it. Um, I love it. Yeah. K-O-R-E-Y-C-O-S-T-A. It's your boy. It's your so, boy. So, yeah, no, everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. The most recent thing you'll see from me, recent release, you're going to go on, you're going to be confused. It's a Christmas record. So, like, you can listen to it if you want, but, like, it's not, like, you're going to be, like, what's Skyward going Spiral, on? what song are we starting with? Skyward Spiral. Snakes in the grass. Snakes in the grass. That's, that's, that's track three. What's track two? Uh, Stop spinning, spinning. Stop spinning. Also see, a killer. Okay. See, Idols, now that I know Idols track two, is the contextual tone uh, setter, and right? Then, and Stop Spinning stop. is like, mm. all right, and let's get to work. Here's Michael where we're going with this. And I did meet Michael Che yep. at an SNL after party in a speakeasy. That's a real story. Shout out to Mo for getting us in. That's what I say. <laughs> I know, it's the, the first line. I love yeah. it. All right, well, you, uh, you are listening to Waxus Radio. Thank you for listening. My guest today has been Corey Costa. As he mentioned, you can find him on the internet under his name. You can also hear him on my record, uh, Waxless, Steadfast, the song All Things New. He is also on a song on the Mary and the Maxwell's record, So Good, called The Undeserving. Uh, as always, I want to encourage you to read the Bible. It's God's Word. It has a lot of good stuff in it. In conclusion, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe. Keep up with everything we're doing. More important than that, if we talked about something you want to keep talking about, join the Facebook group, uh, the Discord server, or email us at waxlessradio at gmail.com. And now as a bonus, we have a live performance song off Corey's new record. He's going to just drop it over a demo of the beat. We're going to see how it works. 
All right, guys. It's a work in progress. Make sure you cup it really good, but go for it. <laughs> You're kidding, right? Cup it really good. Really? No. Oh, okay. Well, you <laughs> said it. Okay. Um, New Corey Costa exclusive. <sighs> I picture like a sigh there, like a man. Anyway. Yeah. G will occurs, wondering what will occur When I put the skills to work I'm about to hit the weight I'm about to hit the verse God about to lift the curse I ain't never sell my soul Someone forged my signature I was 13, first time I swigged the liquor Seven years later, first time I opened scripture I was being chased and I ain't talking about a mixer Lot of damage in between Okay, let me switch the scheme Rhythmically, keep Lee Tell me where the limits be TMJ, growing pains Teething on my little keys Seething on my will to Beast, dapper in my filthy rags, dodger coming traffic and disasters from a lily pad. Also dodging any formulaic similac. Pushing through the celiac, you really mad? I used to sit and hope and pray that I'd get. Man, that was my Achilles heel. Run till I can't feel my calves. I'm running. Running, running. Wait. I was on my spiral, I was trying to hit the summit. I kept going higher in denial that I plummet. So the beat would still be going. Yeah. I'm on my way down. You won't ever see me coming. Mm. You won't ever see me coming. Pitch down. You won't ever see me coming. Yeah. But the beat would still be going. So that'll that's like the potential hook. And then verse two. Yeah. G will occurs, hopped up out my cylinder, funneled out and spilled to earth. I'm about to hit the weight, I'm about to hit the dirt, got about to fix the hurt. Show me where my burdens go, perfect perpendicular. Fall fast, won't we cross paths at the perfect time? Won't you stop the serpent under serpentine? Won't you let your words abide? Would it be better to blind my lurking eyes? Look at me ever so quick to pick and choose my turn to fly. Feature presentation of the fullness of joy. Seeking preservation from the world that destroys. The law of force revolving door pushing a void it's a bird it's a plane nah look at the boy i'm dramatic as ever i keep it steady with my semi-automatic surrender to keep my gravity centered no collateral damage soon as i crash into embers because i took flight too early now i got grass in my feathers homie i'm running i've been on my spiral i was trying to hit the summit i kept going higher in denial that i plummet i'm on my way down you won't ever see me coming so that's the song. And then like, and then there would be a bridge. <laughs> that's so tough. <laughs> Thanks. So I just thought of the bridge last night, actually. And it's not finished yet. But when I was doing the running thing, I thought of Joseph's sleeve getting ripped off and he's running. So it's like, temptation got something up the sleeve. Temptation don't want your boy to leave. Temptation got nothing on me and God I'm free. So the devil gon' flee. Say, temptation got something up his sleeve. Temptation won't want your boy to leave. Temptation got nothing on me in Christ I'm free. So the devil gon' flee. Yeah, he's running. You know what I mean? Like flip it. So dope. Oh yes. And I literally yeah. I literally only thought of it because of Yes. Whenever I heard it most recently, like literally like sleeve being torn off and fleeing like actually running you know so yeah. I, i'm running you know yeah. what i mean so the concept around it initially was i was on my spiral and the album which i'm, I'm not going to say the title if this is getting uh published title's not out yet but so i, I was spiraling and and you know the tor the tornado stopped i was at the top of it and now i'm on my way down 
I'm on my way down. You won't ever see me. I'm running because now I'm back on earth. I'm grounded. I'm rooted. I want to be rooted and grounded, and I want to walk low, and I want to be humble. So Love it. So I hit, I, hit the, I hit the ground, and now I'm running. You heard it here first. Wax Radio. Corey Costa. Running. <laughs>